Enterprise Digital Podcast with Ian Aitchison and Barclay Ray, navigating the ever-expanding service management maze. Well, hello again. We're back once more. It's the Enterprise Digital Podcast. I'm Barclay Ray and I'm joined as ever by the ineffable Ian Aitchison. How are you doing, Ian? Hello, Barclay. I'm doing really well today, actually. Yeah, very well, thank you. Really well. Is that because you've, you're overbur- you're you're brimming with trivia? Is it? I'm overflowing uh, with trivia, indeed. Last week was a little weak, wasn't it? And trivia is quite lightweight, so I brought something much more trivial this time, <laughs> much more appropriate. So, um, yeah, greetings, listeners. This week's podcast starts with a question to Barclay. So, Barclay, please tell me what do these three have in common? Okay. Uh, Snoopy, Sean the Sheep, and Lego minifigures. Well, they're all animated, is it? Uh, animated, ca- ca- not cartoon, but um, do you call it time in motion characters? Yeah. Um, not time in yeah, motion. That's, that's, you, know, you know what I mean? A, yeah, I do. And that's such an obvious answer. It couldn't possibly an, be an answer. Well, you ask me, you're not going to get an, <laughs> anything other than an obvious answer. Here, here is the Ian's trivia answer. Those three characters were all taken on board NASA's Artemis One Orion spacecraft, which took off recently on a mission to the moon. And in the cargo, I guess is the right word, uh, of that mission carried were a stuffed Snoopy, the dog, uh, a Shaun the sheep, and some Lego mini figures. I think that's terrific. That's utterly pointless, thoroughly frivolous and very entertaining. What a good thing to do. Well, talking of those things, do we have <laughs> a we guest? introduce our, our, our guest? Yes. I, it's fascinating if, you know, I mean, I'm sure that will really puzzle the aliens if they find that particular one. Was there not a show on the sheep when they went to the moon or was that, uh, mm. no, that was Wallace and Gromit. Brand out, it, brand out with uh, yeah. Wallace and Gromit. And they Which went is made there. by the same people. But uh, anyway, talking about frivolous and uh, all these kind of things, we better welcome our guest, I think. And uh, delighted we've got uh, Duncan Watkins. Hey, how are you doing? How are, I'm how good, partly. Thanks, thanks very much for having me. It's great that you're here. It's 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 been a, a while to get you on, but that's absolutely great. And you are somebody that I have known and and propped up a few bars with over the years. <laughs> but for those that are out there, it's your opportunity, I guess, to say, right, well, who is Duncan Watkins? What does he do? What is he? I mean, I know that you work for Forrester, for example, yeah. and that's. That's that's great, but tell the audience a little bit about yourself. No problem, no problem at all, Bartley. So, um, yeah, I've been, I guess, I've been around the service management world for about oh, I, I, 20 years, but um, after many years of doing various, I guess, practitioner roles, I thought, you know what, I could probably know enough, I can start helping people with this stuff. So, yeah, so I'm now a principal consultant at Forrester in their consultant division um, and generally help clients solve specific challenges so obviously we do lots of research um, and clients get a lot of value out of that but when they've got something very specific they want to solve we come in and work with them to to give them a plan on how to solve it and so you don't i mean just to clarify for those out there you you're not one of the people that does the research there's people do that but you use that kind of content you're access to it and so on we use the content we use the people as well yeah we do do to our consultant engagements so so very often we'll be accompanied by a real subject matter expert in the fields who kind of give their their weight to the project and, and yeah 
bring that to bear on clients and help them. Excellent. And just in terms of leading into our discussion, which we'll do in a minute, but we're going to talk a little bit about the whole enterprise service management stuff and the, I suppose that, you know, in terms of the user experience and the employee experience, all that kind of stuff, is that something that's really relevant at the moment that you're finding? Yeah. So we've, as an organization, we've, well, we've always kind of had this customer first idea. The Americans have to call it kind of customer obsessed, but sometimes when you use that in Europe, people get a bit uncomfortable with the term, but that's always been the way we've led things. But increasingly now we look at the employee experience as an important one and how you can kind of solve that or, or how you can deliver that. Um, but uh, ultimately that's kind of original style is what's the customer experience, what's the employee experience, and then everything else kind of follows with that. Yeah, I mean, certainly if you say customer obsessed uh, in Glasgow, you, you'll <laughs> get the appropriate response, which will probably not include words. Um, okay, good stuff. I mean, just one other thing. I mean, you've sort of been a uh, sort of, well-known part of the community in terms of ITSMF and SDI and other events over the years. Um, good to see you at ITSMF a couple of weeks ago. Um, are you still invo involved in that? Is is Forrester engaged with that kind of part of the industry? Yeah, still do still do a bit of that. Um, not so much on the BCS side and service management group used to do that. Yeah. But yeah, certainly lots of stuff still with SDI and, and ITSMF, but it's... Um, just trying to keep, uh, you know, keep in and see what's going on, see what's happening, see what trends are there, and whether that correlates or is different from, from what was the research we're doing in-house. Great stuff. Okay, well, welcome to the podcast, and we shall talk about those things in due course. Okay, let's let's get into the conversation. Duncan, you, you were talking in, in, in some of the previous discussions, we were talking about the difference, if you like, between employee experience, user experience, what those things mean in terms of how they are assessed and managed. Um, what, what's your, what are your thoughts on that? Because, I mean, that's something it would be good to get the discussion going on. We, we always have been talking about enterprise service management here in the wider sense and i think we want to make sure that we're we know what we're talking about when we're talking about experience management what the different areas of that are yeah i guess well i guess the first bit is kind of the, is to think about customers and employees are, are very different groups right so what you're trying to do, drive with customers is really you know loyalty and and get them to to kind of ultimately kind of buy your product aren't you employees you're trying to drive things like loyalty and and kind of get them you know and get them engaged i guess with the organization so to approach both of those in the same ways is, is you know it's clearly the wrong thing to do you know when we, so when we think of customer engagement we ought to talk about the experience they have is it effective right so is it an effective experience was it easy for them you know so the ease is very important but also thinking about what emotions that brings with them but that's all focused around getting them to, to ultimately buy your product or be loyal to your brand or, or those sorts of ideas. It's very much more, I guess, even if you're trying to build long-term relationships with them, it's a bit more of a transactional idea. With employees, what you're thinking about is, you know, how do I get them, you know, how do I get them engaged? How do I, you know, how do I make their experience of work a thing that they want to do? So now we're thinking about things like, can I empower them, you know, 
to succeed in their work and are they inspired are they enabled you know all those sorts of things about and helping them to be able to do what they need to do and then you think about how you can succeed with that engagement and you know really kind of keep them loyal and, and dedicated within the workplace so there are crossovers there are similarities but it all comes down to the fact that they are very different groups who are trying to do very different things one of the things that might be confusing there is obviously historically in IT service management, uh, enterprise service management, particularly IT, the employees in an organization or the recipients of IT service are often referred to as the, the customer, yeah, deliver a service to the customer. What I've always wrestled with is the fact that those internal customers, they're not paying for your service. <laughs> You're paying them to be there. And that's quite a different thing. Uh, whereas a external customer, a real uh, transactional commercial customer is paying money and expects something in return for that money. So they have an expectation and they'll take their money somewhere else if that expectation is not met. Yeah. I think one of the things to say is that there is there has been value in thinking of employees as customers, just in that it gets you out of your mindset and thinks, actually, I'm delivering something to someone else that they need to get value out of. So there, there is, you know, there's a benefit to be had there, but you're right, Ian, they are, they are fundamentally very different groups. So does that mean when we talk about those two different things, the the outcomes of those are different? The, the, the activities are different? Should they be fundamentally thought as, as completely separate boxes or are they closely related? Um, I th- uh, Yes, no. <laughs> Classic consulting answer, isn't it? Yes, no. But yeah, I think there's there's similarities in that you, you know, you're trying to deliver, you're trying to experience that delivers value to them. That is the same sort of thing, right? That is, um, that kind of is quite a good idea to think about when you're trying to put yourself in their shoes. But what's different is that, as you, as well, as you pointed out, you're with a customer they're paying for something that they expect to get an equivalent amount of value back from that with that being good services but it's much more you know, it is that idea of being much more transactional now we all know that some customers particularly you know b2b customers you're probably talking about long-term relationships you know that is important but again with those customers you're touching on different ones within an or you know b2b sense different ones in different parts of the organization you know now and again certain touch points with them with an employee they are you know they're what makes your organization tick they are your colleagues they're yeah. um they're looking at you for guidance and help and you know you you develop long-term relationships with them for the duration that they're there so you know you've got to think about that in terms of um you know much more, i guess quite the right word but almost a much more human experience because you're dealing with them all the time yeah and now that makes sense that the all the time factor is a consideration see what you think about this as well as a customer of a whole bunch of um services that i subscribe to or receive value from my experience is often only when i transact with them so it's the online chat to my gas supply company is that a good experience is their website a good experience but when i'm not thinking about that i don't really care as long as the gas keeps working uh, when we talk about employee experience and i'm thinking with an it hat on here when i talk about an employee experience of someone in an organization the technology they use is there for them all the time and has to work all the time 
So it's more than just, can you get through to the IT self-service? Is that a good experience? Filling in a ticket form and selecting 25 fields and pressing save. That's just a tiny part of an employee experience where actually is there uh, phone working? Is there laptop working? Is the screen working? Does this, uh, do the applications work? Is the performance good? There's so many other factors that are there all the time that make up an employee experience because it's your entire time doing your job as an employee. Do you see that? Yeah. And I think one of the, what you've kind of alluded to there is that with a customer experience, whether it be in a physical shop, whether it be digitally online, you're responsible for most of the factors within that experience. You know, with an employee one from a, you know, if you are providing technology or digital experiences to them, that's only part of it. The building that they're in is is, is, is important as well. It's it's how my employment practices may be. So is it fine for me to go for a long lunch? You no, know, but it's these are all factors that play into the employee experience. So you've probably got a smaller part of that that you can actually influence and change. So you've got a couple of things there. One is you've got to think about those bits that you can change, but also how do you then connect into that wider experience? You know, how do we, how do I make sure that what HR deliver is consistent with what I'm doing? So for example, you know, uh, if I'm delivering a particular service, but there is data in there, they're not allowed to use, HR say they're not allowed to use, that's, an, in, in, you know, that's a, a, a clash in those things. So trying to work with those other other parts of the business is an important part of doing a good employee experience. Are we going to talk as well about because there's also a further subdivision there, which is the you know in the colleague experience part, there's the end user of the services who's not part of the IT organization, and then there's the employee who is part of the IT organization delivering that service in some way. And there's been more focus on that more recently as well as to whether or not we are you know, providing the right environment, we are giving them the right tools, we are looking after them from a management perspective well enough. We're not killing, you know, we're not delivering a great service and um, user or customer experience, but we're not killing our people doing it. Just taking that to another level and in, in terms of all these different areas and, and as you say, the different ways we manage, what sort of tangible things do you come across or or would we talk about as to how we might react or, or work differently with those different types of groups? Is it about our orientation? Is it about the way they use the tools? Is it a number of different things? Well, I, so yes, they will use they will use the tools, they will engage differently. But if you're set up correctly, that, that doesn't necessarily do something completely different. It's about, you know, as long as you understand that then you can deliver against it i think what's changing is the way we way we deliver so you know things like enterprise service management makes you think about different parts of the organization and how they work but it's still service management you know i think we are getting a you know the switch from kind of monitoring to observability so we've got a lot more information about the experiences that we deliver to people and there will be differences in each one, but actually what you want on the back of that information is to be able to make decisions or do things or act upon that. You know, it's not just about collecting the data. You know, the combination of you know, digital employee experiences are becoming much more important. 
and getting information or being able to do that. But the physical experience is still important. But, you know, so you're right, Barclay, there are different audiences, but I think what changes are the inputs rather than the actual, um, rather than actually how you then deal with that. If I was a, I don't know, service manager in, in an enterprise organisation, management uh, or even the board came and said, right, well, <clears throat> we want to do experience management in your organization we want we want we're all becoming digital where you know we're they, they may not know what they're talking about but they, they, they've got an idea that they want to do certain things and, and experience management is one of them how do you position that in terms of your response to say right well this is how you need to look at this area and treat them one way and this is how you need to look at this area and treat them another way what's what sorts of artifacts or practices are you talking about that are different in that well, I don't. I, I, I guess the first thing is, if someone comes to you like that, you got you got to understand what they're actually trying to do before you try and address it, don't you? Because it's we, you know, we do get examples where someone's heard about experience management and they go, right, we've got to get on this. This is this is what everyone's talking about. So, well, okay, do you know what your current employee experience is like? Do you know, you know, whether it be digital, or physical, or anything like that? And if you don't know that, then you don't even know how you're going to try and address it or what areas you're going to try and address, what people are going to try and improve. You've got no idea what the current situation is like and what the challenges might be. So the first bit is always to work out where you are. You might want to try and fix or what you might want to try and deliver or you might try and improve and then kind of go from there. Um, yes, there's going to be, oh, as I say, the point of, you know, what we're seeing, what we've seen certainly post-pandemic is there's a real different array of experiences now. So some people want to go back to the other's office. Others completely, you know, want to complete work from home. And most are a hybrid of, of, of the two. So that suddenly, you know, makes what you're trying to address much, much harder because you've got this spectrum of experiences that you're trying to deliver against no longer just, you know, those some simple personas of work from home, work in the office. You know, a lot of the discussion around experience management is about providing, you know, very localized or specialized, personalized experiences, I suppose. And this, I suppose that's an extension of this. Where, where, where does experience level management or experience level agreements come into this? Can you talk about that and and the need for organizations to be ready and uh, i suppose my concern in this area at the moment is that it doesn't become another sort of tick in the box thing that we say oh yes we're going to do xlas we're going to do this and that's not the intention of course but that's what's happened for 30 years with slas people have done it quite badly how can you how can you sort of get the right things in place with an organization to say right well this is what you could realistically expect from doing XLAs with your colleagues or customers? Or well, both. I guess the first thing that says, certainly my experience is, what I've seen so far of XLAs is they've, some of them have followed the same, or made the same mistakes we did with SLAs in the first place. So it's a different term, it's trying to do something different, but actually the way it's implemented is, 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 has been less than optimal. And I think what you're trying to do um, in terms of kind of delivering that, that better experience. What we've seen start to work is a move towards more of a, I guess you'd call more of a product management style than a service management style. So you really have that 
product manager who's very linked into parts of the business and understands what they're trying to do and understands what they're trying to achieve, actually talking about, right, this is this is kind of what I want. This is what I want to improve. This is what I want to get to. These are my kind of user stories. And using that approach is kind of, is what I've seen is, has helped to then deliver a better a better digital experience because you're understanding what the you know what, what someone wants to try to achieve um, but yeah i think there is certainly we see examples where people fall into the same traps they've done for you know 30 years as you said that just it's what's oh, great SLAs, right we'll solve it now and go, well no actually you're trying to still trying to do SLAs, but you've just changed the world. Like shiny, shiny object. There certainly seems to be a lot of interest in XLAs. It seems to be a topic that comes up time and time again. And uh, from my side of things, I, I talk to organisations that seem to be doing amazing jobs with XLAs. And I talk to some organisations that say, but how do we how do we get started? What do we do? Almost like first steps. Now, you talked about measure first. So that's a that's a, a good starting point. Do you have any thoughts on how people would go about doing that sort of measurement? how they'd approach, you know, do I measure the, the height, the width, the depth? Do I, I you know, what, what, are, what are they going to gather as their baseline upon which to build a target, upon which to measure their success against that? That's a, it's a good point, Ian. I think one of the factors you've got to put in is what sort of business it is. And I think this is something you've talked about for years, Barkin, that people often talk about, I work in technology rather than I work for this business. And if you understand, you know, so what you're trying to do in a manufacturing business is going to be very different to what you're trying to do in a software services firm or in a, in a, in a, pharmacy, in a pharmaceutical company. So understanding what your business does is a very important factor into delivering, thinking about what your experience might be, because that will tell you a lot about, you know, what people actually do. So uh, in a in a similar like manufacturing business, people are physically doing, you know, physically creating stuff. So how that's going to differ very, very much to a call center where you're, you know, probably all phone computers is, is, is your experience. And um, so I think understanding that leads into then thinking about the experience you can deliver. Um, in terms of a, an initial baseline, it's, it's kind of tricky to just apply one. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so, However, they do measure that though they get they get a uh, some way of quantifying relevant to their 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 vertical right their their sort of sector how things are now and they they set out an ambition of how they want the experience to improve for their their employees I won't say customers right I won't say customers and then they put in place the changes to achieve that but they also put in place a an agreement to the level that you can expect of your in this case, digital employee experience, and this is an XLA really, with your all of your technology around you, all your tools, all your services, uh, what it should be like to work with those. And are you seeing in, in your side of things, are you seeing more and more people starting to engage with that idea of measuring how they're achieving against it? Yeah, I think the idea of measurement is definitely increasing. Um, I think we're also seeing uh, much people engaging with things like feedback loops and and, and you know, do, doing that monitoring or that that uh, measurement constantly or certainly very regularly, rather than you know once you know once once every once a blue moon, but you know, you know once a month or once a quarter. It's like it's, but also establishing different cadences for different types of measurement is important as well. Yeah. 
So, you know, if you are thinking about how, I don't know, someone's laptop is performing for their data experience, you want that to be very regular so you can see any exceptions. Um, if you're thinking about uh, how someone um, uh, engages with their team and how, how they might benefit from that, actually that's not going to be such a regular cadence, but it's perhaps you know a different type of question because it's about what the technologies let you collaborate, what are um, the things that allow you to, as you as a team, to achieve what you're trying to do. Yeah, um, so some, so things, yeah. some things are questions. Uh, some things, I guess, like laptops and stuff, are less about the question and more about the measuring. It's what it's doing and what's happening and having an understanding of, you know, if my, if my laptop is unstable, that will ultimately affect my my experience. So you want to yeah. be proactively stopping that as well as checking that I'm I'm happy in my work. Yeah, but it's about recognising all those things that are part of the experience. What do we think about this? Because, I mean, I think one point you made there, which is about different, you need to understand the business or the sector that you're in to really be able to use experience management properly. So there'll be some specific areas in one sector that don't apply or that don't have the same relevance or priority. Is that, I mean, for example, I mean, you obviously work for a research company. I mean, do, do Forrester or, or others have that sort of data about, you know, what what the experience should be in, or, or is and how it differs across different areas. I mean, I'm very interested at the moment in what we should be doing in metrics in the industry and how we pull all those things together. I just wondered whether that's something that you'd seen or where you've been exposed to somehow, whether whether you can share it or not. But, you know, just is that something that is relevant? Yeah, we do. We do. Every year we do what we call an EX index. And so we look at which organisations are doing this sort of stuff well. Um, I haven't, fortunately, I haven't got the data to hand, so I can't tell you which ones have, have delivered really good exploit experiences. But there are a set of measurements that we apply across a load of our, you know, load of organisations. So, who's doing well and who's not doing well? Well, I mean, without giving away the, the crown jewels, but what sorts of things might be different across one sector to another? Just, just as an example. Well, so. yeah. Well, one of the, you know, one of the key things is whether you've got. You know, whether you've got physical outlets or whether you're just, you know, uh, doing everything obviously online is going to make a big difference. So uh, um, uh, John Lewis is going to be very different to uh, uh, Salesforce, you know, because it's, uh, you know, you haven't got, you, you're not delivering to people, you know, not not got people engaging with their customers in the physical space and therefore needing different types of information or um, different ways of getting the information to them to be able to, to, to manage that. Um, so that obviously always makes a big difference. You know, I guess what is common is that that kind of idea of there's now this kind of wealth of data that you can tap into and using that effectively. It's very easy to hang your hat or to work on the simple things. So, you know, not wishing to pick on it, but we 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 do an MPS score and we seem fine, therefore everything's okay. So actually that's, that's just one factor in a in the wealth of things. Sorry, I stepped across you there. No, at that point of data, I think since we're talking about experience, data seems to be very relevant to, to experience, digital experience, because it enables you, I think, to identify spikes where you can make improvements. So if you can see lots and lots of data, then you can focus in and say, something's not right here. So let's focus on that thing. Let's make that thing better, whatever it may be. You know, maybe, I don't know, quality of um, online meetings, or it may be, 
the uh, reliability of the entry doors into the building is probably a bad example. But if you have enough data, I guess you can pick your targets. And that's one thing I've seen with, with experience is it's a little where it's different from services. Service is about building and delivering a service and experience is also about spotting targets as well. It's about identifying where improvements can be made. And I know that's in service too, but it can be very targeted. You can put everything in place, but you're then going around spotting, here's where we can make a big difference. Here's where we can make a big difference. Do you, do you see some of that in some of the organizations that, that succeed at this? Are they quite use case focused? They are. And one of the really good ones are very scientific scientific yeah. focused in that they are, they, they, they use, um, they'll use, you know, they use a scientific approach, but they'll use things like you know proper psycho psychology to think about how the experience works, how they can go, kind of make it better, and and really drive a, a, a really positive employee experience. Because it's one of the things to always you know what what you're trying to you are trying to empower and help your employees, but ultimately what employees love is autonomy, right? It's the ability to kind of get stuff done. And I, I was involved in a really good workshop one of analysts before and was talking to a room and said you know what, what why did you come to work and someone says you know because get paid so well actually yeah we all get paid but very few people sort of say at the end of the day all oh, ticked up another so many pounds you know is it job title well it's great to have a good job title but it doesn't get you out of bed every morning you run through all these things but what really motivates people to come in is getting things done is achieving stuff is having that time mm -hmm. to get things done and so thinking about making sure your employee experience allows them to do that is a really powerful and powerful way of approaching it. That's interesting, Barclay. Serious question. I mean, it, it, does that apply to you as well? You think in your work, Barclay, do you, do you do it for the money? Do you do it for getting things done? Do you do it for the, I don't know, the, the uh, recognition having made a difference? I mean, I'm interesting turning the question to Barclay. I don't know why I'm doing that, but I'm interested. <laughs> And then I'm going to ask you about uh, Duncan next. Why do you takes you to work, Barkley? It is it is about you know being successful in some way, whether whether that's helping people to do something or seeing an improvement. Obviously, being able to make money out of it is is great as well. But I, I would probably should probably be a lot better off than I am, you know, on that basis. That some of the things that I've some of the choices that I've made, put it that way, in terms of whether I go down more of a commercial or, you know, some of the things that things that I do. So I, th I think it is understanding that motivation, I think is, is really important. I was, I was actually just going to mention something there that we talked about beforehand, which was at ITSMF a few weeks ago, I chaired two sessions, one after the other, that showed two entirely different ends of the organizational approach spectrum. And one was the Cinch company, the online car trading company, and the other one was, I think, the UK passport office. And, you know, you you need to have a passport. You, you know, you're waking up going, I really want to have a passport. You need to have one if you're going to travel. Compared to, there's a lot of different ways you can buy a car. So the, the, the motivation and the energy and the approach in that company was all about how do we bring people in and give them a great experience. That experience at the other end was one of the last things i guess i mean they obviously wanted to do it well but that's not their motive they were doing it from the point of view of being done properly and safely and securely and right um and dealing with volume rather than 
we want to make this a great experience because you know it, what ultimately what they were doing is quite a commodity thing selling a car actually making a passport is is quite an unusual thing but it's no, nobody else i can't go and can't go to tesco's to get my passport <laughs> i've got to go to this this organization so it's a little bit like the argument about internal versus external you don't really have any choice yeah very much so and in fact if you think about it when you get a, a passport you get a new passport sure you're paying a bit of money but you're not buying the passport the passport is a it's a bit like being at work and having a decent it laptop delivered to you to be able to do your job if your, your your relationship is not one where you're expecting a return for the money you pay the money you pay is just processing mm. to receive the thing that you you should get because you're a citizen yeah. and so your expectation is quite different, quite yeah. different or, or you need to go to the us <laughs> and you've got to get your resta and so on you've got no yeah. choice you know that it, it, it's there's nobody else doing it <laughs> yeah yeah um, let's, go, so. let's just um back to that other questions or back yeah, to you duncan Don. what's your motivation yeah, what motivates you in the work you do? Because you're you're very consultant focused, right? You're very individual organization and then moving from A to B successfully. What motivates you? It's, it sounds corny, but it's helping people. You know, that's why I got into consultancy. It's um I kind of thought, well, I've I've kind of learned a bit over time. Perhaps I can apply that to kind of help people solve the challenges, solve the problems they've got. Um and one of the I guess one of the nice things about working at Foresters, I've got the ability to run projects and do that and be flexible and and talk to clients about what they're really trying to achieve. So, you know, the point you just made there about you are getting a passport, but actually what you're trying to do is something else. It's about, I want to go abroad, I want to experience about travel, right? It's similar with, with clients. They'll very often come with, I think this is our problem. And you'll talk to them and say, well, that's, that's actually a symptom. What you're really trying to achieve is this or what you really want to do is this. Um, and so, yeah, that's sort of driven me to, that's what I really like is find that problem and help them solve it. Just one final thing in, in that discussion then, we're back to the employee experience versus customer experience. Are there any particular, you know, headline tips that we might look at or that you might be able to identify as to, you know, how we approach, I mean, if somebody goes into that with a mindset that says, well, it's the same thing, you know, you know what would you say to them? Just, you know, in terms of a pitch to say, no, no, it's not because of these things and, and you must treat them differently. I think one important thing is you never get burnt out being a customer, right? Okay. It's, a, you know, if I want to go and buy something, I can buy it if I don't I want. With your employees, it's very easy if you're not thinking about the experience to just put more and more work on them uh, and, and kind of burn them out. So, approach that you approach them very differently will help you to kind of make sure you don't make mistakes like that i know it's not you know that's kind of not necessarily the obvious thing but because it's a we talked about earlier about it being a continuous thing you someone's you know employed for all the time they're employed until they're kind of not you have to think about there are you know what are the downsides what can if i'm not thinking about the way that experience can work in what are the what are the penalties i could pay what could actually happen to them right um so you have there's now there's a a degree of responsibility there that you don't necessarily have when you're selling stuff. Now that's not to say you can't you can sell stuff and break the law doing it. There are responsibilities and there are compliance and things you have to do. But I think it's uh, I think if you think about it that way, you start to think about them as being very different experiences. 
burnout particularly. I didn't realise that you were describing it, of course. Burnout is a much more important dimension for employees. Obviously, you might have customer burnout, but it's a, it's a little, little, a little different, but it's much more important when you're looking at employee experience, much more to think about. If we get this wrong, these wonderful people will leave our company and our company will be in trouble. We'll, you know, we, we'll, people walk out the door, we will be in trouble. Uh, yeah, so it's important. So they are different. They need to be considered dif- from a different approach and with different drivers. Absolutely. And ultimately, I guess, with different results as well. Yeah. Different, yeah, different aims and different outcomes, yeah. Good stuff. Okay, thank you for that. That went slight, in a slightly different direction than I thought, but actually we got to some quite really quite interesting points there with that thing about employee burnout that you know, in terms of approach that we probably talk about all the time, but actually thinking about it from the start is, is, a, is a really good view. Thank you very much, Duncan. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Right, uh, Ian is looking very chipper uh, at the moment because he's it's, it's his it's his big moment is coming up yeah, there. It's, the of, it's been the end of a very 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 busy week for me, and this is always the high point of my week when I get the opportunity to take any one of our most valued, precious podcast guests, walk them over to the podcast bar, which is long and very shiny and made of a very good deep dark wood. It's a beautiful bar. Standing against that bar, leaning against, holding it up is Duncan Watkins. So. <laughs> well, one holding the other up, I'm not sure which. And Duncan is is buying a drink for all of our audience. What would be the drink that you buy for them? Your favourite drink, Duncan? Well, I've always been into, quite into real ales, Ian. But a few years ago, Kaimar Karu, some of you might know, who's a, wine, a beer a sommelier, isn't he? Really got me into sour beers. Yes. Yeah, so maybe not everyone's taste, but yeah, really love a sour beer. Okay, I think you are the first with a sour. <laughs> I don't think I've ever drunk a sour beer yeah. unless so, it was a bottle that was left in the kitchen for a few days. No, no, those are designed to be sour. But, uh, oh, okay, yes. okay. Nice. I, I would have thought that Kaimar would have wanted to have something a bit more sweet, so kind of, you know, does he wants to be even more sour? When you say sour, what does it what does it mean? Does it mean it's sour? Like it tastes bitter, or uh, yeah, yeah, it, it tastes sour. It's uh, it's the way it's. The way they brewed is it's a more complex brewing process, but uh, you actually can get more complexity of flavour in there and a far greater range. Because um, he, he told me off for drinking yet another IPA. So uh, we've got the sour beer. Yeah, I, I'm not criticising if he's listening. I mean, I, I've got a bottle of Heineken here. They always wind up about <laughs> how I like to drink <laughs> manufactured beer, just, just to annoy him. But um, OK, sour beer it is. Um, that's that's interesting. How do people get hold of you? Where, where are you? Are you are you out there in the ether? In... <laughs> I am. I am. I indeed. Um, well, obviously, yeah. Um, uh, I am. Well, why it still exists? I'm on Twitter as Duncan Watkins. Uh, Me too. Um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Obviously, if anyone calls Forrester and asks my name, they'll they'll find me. Well, you're on LinkedIn I'm, as well, maybe. aren't you? Yeah, on LinkedIn. And so, and again, Duncan Watkins at Forrester. But yeah, yeah, on all, all the usual, uh, all the usual social media. The usual haunts. It might just be you and me in Twitter soon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you still there, Ian? Are you still on Twitter? I oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. find I'm, 
I'm tweeting less than I used to a few years ago, but I'm spending more time in Twitter than I used to as well. And my use has kind of changed slightly, but actually I'm quite found I'm quite passionate about the value of Twitter. So there's one for another time, but you get mm. me going on that. And yeah. I'm a big advocate of a global mm. communication platform. I think it's the only one we've got. I don't think we have a replacement. I think we need to look after it. Yeah, and don't ask me to choose a server on which is when I try to get onto oh. the other. Anyway, great. Duncan, thank you very much. Great to have you on. Hope to see you again soon and at various industry events. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ian. We'll see you all again on the Enterprise Digital Podcast. Thank you.